The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Hello, everyone. Greetings. Um, Welcome to our new listeners. And if you've been with us before, welcome back. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Ross Brunson. Today's focus, reincarnation, the missing link in Christianity. Ah, this is a juicy topic, and it's certainly not one taught in our Western schools or churches, is it? No, it's no. not. But, but more and more people are tuning into the reality that it's just not possible for a single life to accommodate, much less accomplish, all that we've come here to do. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, no, it really doesn't, Ross. Not to mention the fact that reincarnation is already accepted by billions of people around the world. Well, and it would be arrogant, to say the least, Uh to call all of them wrong, and we're not. Yet that's exactly what many Western theologians have done. I mean, you've got to wonder why. Well, you know, we know from the Apocrypha, like the scrolls found in the desert at Nag Hammadi, as well as from other ancient writings, that early Christians both believed in and taught the concept of reincarnation. But for reasons we can only surmise... Oh, power, control... Oh, yeah, that probably had more than a little to do with it. (laughs) You know, but making the general population subservient to narrow limits of doctrine, well, it tends to keep the herd together. (laughs) And whatever might lead to personal independence would tend to counteract that herd Uh, mentality, as well as challenging the prevailing religious authority. I mean, correctly understanding reincarnation would empower individuals to master their human selves and be released from fear, doubt, superstition, and this blind obedience to dogma that we see. Yeah, which is not to say that spiritual or cosmic laws aren't real, Mm -hmm. important, and meant to be heeded. They are. But understanding them is absolutely essential to our spiritual growth. And that's our point. Reincarnation isn't just an idea or a new age concept du jour. Well, reincarnation is a cosmic law. Uh, Right, exactly. And if we're not taught that we return again and again to balance karma, we stay stuck on the human Mm merry-go-round. And if it's all we're taught is that we're poor, miserable sinners and the church is our only way out, well, we believe that's man's law, not God's. Exactly, man's law. You know, humans with limited understanding seeking power over the masses to keep them pliable, dependable, Mm -hmm. and under control. You know, this probably explains why almost everything once contained in the Bible regarding reincarnation was removed by church fathers centuries ago. Well, hang on. What do you mean almost? <laughs> you know, well, you remember the story about Jesus and some of his apostles encountering a blind man? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the apostles asked Jesus whether it was the parents' sins or the blind man's sins that caused him to be born blind. Oh. Yeah. Well, now we know that Jesus answered, stating that the man was born blind 
in order for Jesus to show the power of God as he healed the man's blindness. But the apostles' question reveals an implicit belief in reincarnation to even suggest that the man's sins might have caused his blindness. His <laughs> sins when? Right, in a, <laughs> in a past life. Yeah. Trouble is, the willful omission of this subject of reincarnation from the Bible leaves us without one of the greatest tools that we have for understanding who we are, mm-hmm. why we're here, and how to keep from coming back again and again. Uh, you know, well, when those church fathers go before the great karmic board, they're going to have some splaining to do. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to be them. Nope. You know, really, though, you have to wonder, how could they rationalize taking reincarnation out of the mix when it's clear that our souls have lived longer and in some cases much longer than a single lifetime <laughs> you know and if it seems as if we have an axe to grind here well do we we well let's put it this way imagine you were on trial for your life and the most important piece of evidence which could set you free was deliberately withheld well that would be terrible I, you know i might want to grind the axe a little in that case you think well fortunately we are no longer stuck with the prevailing western orthodoxy regarding reincarnation we know it's real Well, and we know how important it is to our ultimate journey home to realize that over many lifetimes, Mm -hmm. we've built up quite a karmic debt to life. And what took lifetimes to build could take (laughs) lifetimes to transmute. Keyword could. Yeah, but lucky for us, we've got a secret weapon Mm -hmm. that can shorten the length of time it takes to transmute and balance our karma and finally end our personal Mm -hmm. cycle of reincarnation. Yahoo! That's right. It's called the violet flame. Mm -hmm. It's the healing, forgiving, transmuting flame of mercy that acts as the super karma cleanser. That's the one. (laughs) Well, it is certainly our obligation to life, and not to mention cosmic law, Uh to balance our karma. We have to clean up after ourselves. (laughs) So why not use the greatest single means available to speed up that process? And remember, everything we do, every thought, word, and deed, there's that concept again, uses God's energy. Yeah, that's our God-given creative power that we've spoken about so often. It's an awesome power that we possess, and we are obliged to use it wisely. Right. Use it well. Create good karma. Mm -hmm. Use it not so well, negative karma. You know, the sooner that we balance at least 51% of our negative karma, the sooner we can jump off the reincarnation carousel and go home. Yippee. Unless, of course, you like coming back here again (laughs) and again. And again, uh, uh, no, thank you. You know, I think a lot of people feel as we do that it's time to be done with this human schoolroom, graduate, move on and move up up to graduate school. That's right. (laughs) You know, we are accountable. No one else can do this for us. Besides, it's our ascension that we're really talking about here. And we have to understand that karma must be balanced. And then an understanding of reincarnation is literally essential as to why this is so. You know, for one thing, when we talk about karma, we're talking about our past, certainly. But we're also talking about the current condition of our lives. Past actions create present circumstances. That's karma in a nutshell. Well, we're constantly out picturing our karma. We are. Just look at (laughs) pre-show. And not just in what we do, but in who we do it with. Sure. You know, we've got karma with lots and lots of other people. Mm -hmm. Look at your relationships, your parents, your children, your friends. (laughs) Your enemies. Well, sure. They're all tied to our karma. So it's probably a really good idea to be nice to others because you may never know what sins you're paying for. Uh, But they're a lot easier to pay for with kindness than if you do it with anger or hatred or even, heaven forbid, violence. Well, look at the paper today. Look at the Internet. You know, the world scene is filled with karmic struggles. And some of them have been played out for centuries or even longer. You know, when you read about continual warfare between certain ethnic groups, for example, Mm -hmm. you can be sure that they are playing out cycles of karmic retribution that will only end when forgiveness and love prevail. As long as the enmity continues, so will the karma. Well, and everybody involved will keep coming back until they get it right. Oh, that's right. You know, it's a cosmic law, Mm -hmm. and everyone is subject to this law. So again, 
the sooner we understand that we've got to tackle our karma consciously and balance it, the better. Well, which again is why it's such a pity that Western religion, for the most part, doesn't accept or teach about karma and reincarnation. You know, especially since we know that Jesus taught reincarnation. Right. You know, for more on this, uh, here's an excerpt from Karma and Reincarnation by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, read by our own Terry Kennedy. Great. Did Jesus teach reincarnation? Jesus certainly taught the concept of karma, as we have seen, but did he teach reincarnation? Both the Bible and other early Christian texts provide compelling evidence that both he and some of his followers did. The first piece of evidence is the episode involving the man who was born blind. As Jesus and his disciples passed by the blind man, the disciples asked, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They were offering two possible causes for his blindness. They asked whether the blindness was a result of his parents' sin, because they knew the Old Testament law that says, The sins of the father shall be visited upon the sons to the third and fourth generation. But they also asked if the blindness was a result of the man's own sin. Since the man was born blind, the only way he could have sinned before his birth was to have done it in a previous lifetime. Jesus astounded them all when he replied, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The man hadn't sinned, and his parents hadn't sinned. By free will he had incarnated with this condition, so that Jesus could heal him, so that the works of God could be revealed in him. If Jesus had not believed in karma or reincarnation, this was the moment when he could have denied these doctrines, but he did not. As a matter of fact, there is no record whatsoever, either in the Gospels, the writings of the Apostles, the Book of Revelation, or other Christian texts, that Jesus ever denied karma or reincarnation. In fact, this account indicates that Jesus and his disciples had ongoing talks about karma and reincarnation. Jesus didn't invalidate his disciples' question, nor did he elaborate on the options they offered. It wasn't necessary for Jesus to rehearse the ABCs of what the disciples already knew. Instead, Jesus used this as an opportunity to demonstrate that there are exceptions to universal law, and this was one of them. A second example of Jesus teaching reincarnation takes place as the disciples are walking down the Mount of Transfiguration with him. On the mountain they had seen Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. The disciples asked Jesus, why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? In other words, if Elijah is supposed to come before you, what is he doing in heaven, and why haven't we seen him yet on earth? Jesus answered, Elijah is indeed coming and will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but they did to him whatever they pleased. The book of Matthew follows that with the statement, then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them about John the Baptist. Jesus was revealing that Elijah had reincarnated as John the Baptist, who tragically had been imprisoned and then beheaded by Herod. It was a popular belief among the Jews of Jesus' day that the prophet Elijah would come again as the forerunner of the Messiah, as Malachi had prophesied. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The idea that this passage implies a belief in reincarnation is not something new to this century. 
The fact that the 4th century church father Jerome specifically argues that the passage from Matthew should not be interpreted as supporting reincarnation tells us that some Christians of his day believed that Jesus and the disciples accepted, or were at least aware of, the concept of reincarnation. Some Christians say that because the Bible doesn't include comprehensive teaching on reincarnation, Christians should not believe in the idea. If one followed that rationale, Christians wouldn't believe in the doctrines of the Trinity or original sin, neither of which appear in the Bible. We also know that not all of Jesus' original teachings have survived. The book of Acts says that following the resurrection, Jesus taught his disciples for forty days of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. There is no record of what he said. John closes his gospel by explicitly telling us, There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. In addition, it is quite plausible that Jesus would have been exposed to the idea of reincarnation. In his day, Greek ideas penetrated Jewish thought, and many scholars believe that Jesus, like many first-century Jews, spoke Greek and would have easily come into contact with Greek ideas. One of the currents running through the broad stream of Greek religion was a belief in reincarnation. In the second and third centuries, many prominent Christians accepted reincarnation. Clement of Alexandria, a Christian teacher who headed the church's catechetical school in Alexandria, is said to have been one of them. His successor, Origen of Alexandria, a church father and the most influential theologian of the Greek church, believed in the pre-existence of the soul, if not reincarnation. When we return, we're going to hear Elizabeth Clare Prophet expanding further on the subject of reincarnation, what Jesus taught about it, its relationship to personal accountability, and more. But I want to also tell you about the Karma and Reincarnation DVD that you can get. Uh, go to tsl.org forward slash karma DVD. It's three and a half hours. It features Elizabeth Clare Prophet, and it's an excellent adjunct to this radio program. So don't go away. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. 
It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back. In this next segment, Elizabeth Clare Prophet tackles some of the tough questions that come up in any discussion about reincarnation. Have we lived before? Did Jesus teach reincarnation? What does reincarnation teach us about cosmic law and the divine justice of God? Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. Would you tell us how you came to believe in reincarnation? You know, Doug, I don't even remember starting to believe in reincarnation because when I was a little girl, probably at the age of two and three, I had a series of recollections which were really a part of my self-awareness of being in Egypt on a large river and playing there as a little child. And these recollections would continue to come back to me and I would ask my mother about it. I knew nothing about Egypt knew nothing about its geography. And so I can remember my first lesson on reincarnation coming from my mother when I was about five. And she said, you are seeing yourself in that place because you have lived there before in a previous life. And then she began to explain to me that the only thing that ever made sense to her about life and the injustices of people born with infirmities or children dying very young was this concept of reincarnation that the soul in reality does not begin at birth and does not die at death but continues its evolution this is primarily just an eastern idea isn't it well not really we find it in our own scriptures in the west but people don't have the ear to hear as jesus said did jesus teach reincarnation jesus taught reincarnation and it's also in the old testament In the very last words of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, read, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Here is God speaking through Malachi, a very famous prophet quoted by presidents of late and actually saying that Elijah is going to come again. Well, if that were not enough, we find Jesus making the same statement. In the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And then he says, And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come, meaning his coming was prophesied, he came, he was beheaded, they did with him what they would, and so they will do to me. 
And so what this tells me about both the Old and New Testament is that the statements concerning the coming again of Elijah are so naturally mentioned that one has to accept the fact that it is being spoken within the context of an already established understanding that Malachi had the understanding of the coming again of the prophet and therefore God could speak to him of it. The same with Jesus. The fact that he could give his disciples this instruction was because they had a prior understanding of the transmigration of the soul. I gather then that there is a difference between what was taught to the disciples and that which was taught to the world at large. Well, not necessarily. I'm quite certain that the Essene community had the understanding of the doctrine of reincarnation. And I think that inasmuch as in the East there was common understanding of reincarnation in Hinduism and Buddhism, that people were aware of it in Jesus' time, and I think that's what the Bible substantiates. What is the significance of reincarnation for all of us in regard to how to live our lives? Well, I can't really understand how anyone can make any sense out of religion unless they are simply giving it some kind of an intellectual perception of the teachings of Christ without this understanding of re-embodiment. The continuity of existence and of being has always been a great fact of reality to me. We know of a number of psychiatrists who have used hypnosis to regress patients to early childhood. And some have gone beyond early childhood and they could start recounting where they left off in their last life, go through that life and go through the life before and the life before. Now the ascended masters teach us that we should not submit ourselves to hypnosis. And I would certainly never stoop to employing hypnosis to prove the doctrine of reincarnation. But it's very interesting that this has come out of the subconscious, showing that within the subconscious memory of man is the record of the previous existence, which enables us to understand the Ascended Master's teaching that we do carry with us the cause-effect record and memory of our past, and that this influences everything that we are today. In fact, the Masters teach us that we are what we are because of what we have been before, and that was Buddha's teaching to his disciples. Well, if reincarnation is so important to believing in a just God, why is it not taught in the West? Well, I think it's a means of controlling the people by fear, of saying to the people, you know, if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to go to hell. And I think the early church fathers found out that when they tried to make people go to Mass and the people themselves had the understanding of reincarnation, they would kind of just wave a hand at the Father and say, well, I'll go in my next life. And so I think that it's always a question of ecclesiastical control, that if the people know too much, then they have too much power and too much independence. And then this is what disturbs those who try to hold the secrets of the kingdom and to control people by that knowledge. Then the idea of reincarnation, you don't feel, takes away from the sense of personal responsibility. On the contrary, it completely affirms this responsibility of the individual because it reinforces the statement of the law, every man shall bear his own burden, and not one jot or tittle of the law will pass till all be fulfilled. And as a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Newton's law states the law of karma in scientific terms. It states that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. 
Now this is very interesting because what we are finding is what is in our consciousness today is the reaction of a cause that we have set in motion perhaps yesterday, perhaps 10 years ago, perhaps a hundred years ago in a previous lifetime. So energy is God and energy in us which we qualify returns to us. Now the grace of God is this that we do not have the fullness of opportunity in a given lifetime to balance what we have put upon life. Some call it sin, the Hindus call it karma. If we murder someone and then murder ourselves, it's over. Now according to Christian theology then we should go to hell unless perhaps we had asked for forgiveness just before we died. The cosmos doesn't work that way. It gives us an opportunity for the soul to evolve again and again. He that taketh life with a sword must also have his life taken by the same sword. In order to experience the reaction to his deed, man must come again to confront the one whom he murdered, to confront the energy, not as punishment, but as a lesson in the laboratory of Earth's schoolroom. What effect does the energy of hatred that manifests as murder produce? It must be an equally violent reaction in return. Thus the soul is chastised by its own action, and the law itself teaches the soul that it is wrong to commit such a crime. Then is there any place for vicarious atonement? Indeed there is, because Christ, Jesus, came in the person of the Savior of the world. His salvation is this, that he died for our sins in the sense that the weight of our karma of many, many lifetimes. He actually bore the weight, the entire accumulation of the weight of world karma or world sin. He bore it in his body, therefore setting aside that law of karma for a certain dispensation which is known as the Piscean dispensation. A 2,000 year cycle whereby our souls had a new opportunity to come to grips with the law and the teaching of the Christ and our own inner God flame in order to build up a consciousness, a force field of light, whereby we then would have the capacity to stand and to meet face to face our own energies, our own past sowings. This is why we have come upon an age at the conclusion of this 2,000 year period that the earth is in such a period of darkness because it was the intent of the coming of Jesus Christ that through him we might learn to walk in his footsteps and do the works which he did, which he promised we would do if we believed on him, believed on the Christ within Jesus. And so, at this point in our soul's evolution, we are expected to begin to bear the sins of the world through the baptism of the sacred fire of the Holy Ghost. That baptism is a cleansing action of sacred fire, which itself is the transmutation of karma or sin. So the baptism by sacred fire is altogether necessary in order for us to balance our karma of thousands of years. So we have to realize that forgiveness of sin is the setting aside of karma until the soul matures to that place where he can face what it is that has burdened him. This is like going to a psychiatrist and digging up the records of one's childhood and being able to come to grips with those records. It takes a tremendous amount of energy to come to grips with these records, and most people are not willing to face it.
They are not willing to face their past. They are not willing to take responsibility for past actions. It is very convenient to say it is not possible for me in any way to attain virtue because I am a sinner. Christ died for me. He did the whole thing. But we must remember that Jesus gave us the command, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Jesus gave us the command to perfection. He gave us the teaching and the law whereby we could attain it. It is exactly and precisely the rebellious ones who rebel against reincarnation because the acceptance of the law of reincarnation forces the soul to come to grips with its own past sowings. But what does Paul say to the Galatians? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Thank you very much. Up next, our weekly visit in Q&A with Sidney Bennett. Don't go away. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God. And as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth Schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. 
are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, and joining us once again is our learned friend, Sidney Bennett, to answer your questions. Hello, Sidney. Morning, gentlemen. Hi, Sidney. Well, we've already heard this question alluded to once or twice, if not more, during the show so far, but why do you think it is that Western religions have such a hard time accepting the concept of reincarnation? Well, I, I think it's just a, it's a historical fact. It's doctrine. And, you know, we tend to believe what our parents believed, and we tend to believe... Um, you know, what we've been taught at birth. And if you're taught that you're a worthless sinner and that, um, you know, you don't do much, uh, you can't do much to improve yourself other than accept Jesus, then what are you going to believe? And I think it's it's this momentum and the fear of many so many precious light bearers that if they go against what they understand to be the word of God, that somehow they're going to be sinning and so forth. But this is a new age. It's coming the age of Aquarius. People are more open. They They understand that what was in the past may have been manipulated or changed, and they want to know the truth. And reincarnation makes so much sense because it is the truth. You know, I think we were talking about this a bit before the show started, and that is that we have no intention of taking Jesus out of the equation. Absolutely not. And I think, you know, when I I was a very devout Christian growing up, and when I found the teachings of the Ascended Masters, I was one of my biggest concerns. Is is Jesus somehow being demoted from the from the scene, so to speak? And in fact I found out exactly the opposite. I feel closer to Jesus today than I ever felt. He is the elder brother of, of, of us. He wants us to follow in his footsteps. And I think the difference is he's not the only son of God, but that each one of us has the potential to become God. And that is what he really wants us to believe. So I consider that Jesus is my savior. I pray to him continually, and so I have a much deeper relationship, I feel, with Jesus than I had before when I was just, you know, the original sinner, so to speak. Well, don't you think the world would be a better place if everybody understood that the life they're currently experiencing is a direct result of their own actions in the past? Well, exactly. I mean, how many people have shaken their fist at God and say, why do you allow these things to happen? Why do you do these things? They get angry, when really they're getting angry at themselves. If they had this understanding they would feel remorse and perhaps change the way they live and do something different. And what a key, what a difference this planet would be. You know, I've recently had an experience with, the, with an older person that was not, uh, did not know about the teaching of the Senate Masters, who was, uh, in fact, dying and wanted to end their life prematurely. No. In other words, what, you know, what difference does it make? You know, I'm saved and so forth. And what difference is if I go a month or two earlier or six months or whatever? But the point is... From a karmic point of view, a person can balance a tremendous amount of karma in their final illness. And you don't want to preclude that. Um, Paul talks about a better resurrection. How do you get a better resurrection? You balance more karma. Yeah. Mm. You know, is, is it possible, since we're talking about these two concepts, to separate karma and reincarnation? I mean, aren't they in Aren't they tied together? You know, of course, they're, 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 they're the uh, total of two things, because understanding reincarnation, you have to understand karma and vice yeah. versa. Mm-hmm. And it just, it is so logical. I think that's what, yeah. you know, it, it's so amazing about it. It's not, it's not just taking this great leap of belief. Um, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. Well, isn't it funny that because it's so logical once you hear it, that mm-hmm. so many people walk around with that sort of back of their mind sense of illogic. And that's oftentimes how they end up at these teachings. You know, and, and people have been programmed to do that. I, mm-hmm. I was recently, my wife and I were recently talking to another couple uh, that were friends of my, my daughter, uh, the parents of the 
my daughter's friends, they're very devout Catholics. We talked about reincarnation. They thought it was a totally logical thing. And then at one point, the woman said to me, you know, I feel guilty. I said, why do that? <laughs> oh, you're well, Irish. This is not what the church teaches, you know. <laughs> In other words, people are so devout and they have accepted. Yes. You know, they're so pure, this false teaching, they're afraid to go against it. But mm. it's, you know... Uh, we're not original sinners, as we've talked about before. Right. And there is, you know, Jesus is not the only son of God. And if you change those two points or you accept those, it opens up an entire new world mm-hmm. for you and for the path and for your relationship with God. You know, you, you just mentioned something again. We've talked about it before that the sense of devotion that people have, religious devotion, is easy to understand why certain individuals, the church fathers in, in this case, referenced them earlier, would, would know that by simply dictating what they said to, to be the guidelines, that people would devoutly believe them. They would accept the authority without question. Absolutely. And in fact, for, for many centuries, people were illiterate. They couldn't read the Word of God even if they wanted to. So, um, you know, that's how they controlled them. And of course, mm-hmm. if you, Peter was told he has the keys to heaven and earth, um, you know, and if you hear that, you're going to believe it. Yeah. Excommunication that's was right. not a small thing in those days. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Oh, but that was the lions later on. Never mind. Um, in an early, an earlier program, you said that you felt many Christians have actually begun to accept the doctrines of karma and reincarnation. I mean, not openly necessarily, but in the privacy of their own homes and hearts. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like people are, are experiencing some kind of a reawakening of these original beliefs. Well, you know, I mean, how, isn't this kind of hard to do in the context of organized? Uh, well, it yeah. is and it isn't. A, a recent study found that 25% of all um, active Catholics believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. In other words, wow. they, they, they see the truth and the light of Jesus' teaching, but they don't accept that the church tells them they don't come again. And mm-hmm. so there is a much greater openness now and a much greater understanding. We have an opportunity now because of this openness in our society to study, to explore, to learn things that we would have been burned at the stake for not that many hundred years <laughs> yes. ago. Yeah. yeah, Maybe we were. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of karma and reincarnation, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the, the, on the, in that same vein, as we begin to imagine the reality of Christians as a whole, accepting karma and reincarnation, there's going to be a major ripple effect, isn't there? I mean, in terms Mm -hmm. of the authority structure that currently exists. Well, well, exactly. In other words, so we aren't controlled by the church. The church's role is to help us, to to have our individual relationship with God, with our I am presence, with Jesus, Mm -hmm. with all the great saints. That's the role of the church to help us get there. It's not to control us or determine whether we're going to heaven or hell. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, so I've got one of those double-barreled loaded questions. Oh, goody. Again. So didn't Jesus have past lives? And in the brief excerpt that we just heard from Carmen Reincarnation, one of our very popular pocket guides, by the way, um, we were reminded that Jesus did in fact believe and teach the concept of reincarnation. Can you elaborate a little, uh, elaborate a little bit on this? And I mean, kind of share with the audience the why would Jesus, the Son of God, have past lives, and uh, and also why, when people put Jesus up on a pedestal and say he's the only Son of God, why that's not a useful thing? Because obviously he did do the same path sure. that we are. Well, I think we go back to the concept then, and and you know this original sin, and Jesus is the Son of God. He came and took all our sins, but he's so high. And so much greater than us, you know, we can, all we can do is worship him. We can't really be like him, mm-hmm. even though he told us to be perfect. Um, and so there's that concept right there. But, but somehow, if people understood that Jesus has been an evolving soul, just like we are, mm-hmm. and that we are meant to follow in his footsteps, 
over and over again with what Jesus has done, we can mm-hmm. do. That doesn't mean we equate ourselves with Jesus and his attainment and all he has become. He's the savior of the world. Right. Um, you know, it's tremendous. But he wants us to follow us. And Jesus did have other embodiments um, that we've been talking about. And this doesn't take away from who he is or what he accomplished. In fact, in my mind, it makes his accomplishment much greater yeah. because it wasn't Absolutely. just the son of God that, that was already perfect and had no mm-hmm. you know, doubts or fears or anything else coming. It was someone that had to face these tests and he wanted to face them to set an example for us because we will have the same tests. Follow ye me. I'll say. <laughs> well, any other loaded questions? I, well, you know, actually, <laughs> I, I do have one. Okay. <laughs> Here. But, uh, we, again, this is something we broached before, but we're talking about angels now. And isn't it true that the so-called fallen angels have actually embodied or reincarnated on Earth? Well, yes, it is. I mean, we've talked about them since the past when Michael cast them out of heaven because mm-hmm. Lucifer had his sin of pride. And there's another group of fallen angels called the Watchers that, that came down that Enoch, talk, Enoch mm-hmm. talked about and so forth. So they had to go someplace. Well, when they chose to turn against God, God didn't say, okay, that's it. You're into, out of Into here. the lake of sacred fire. <laughs> Too um, bad. They got opportunity. <laughs> Unfortunately for us, yeah, their yeah. opportunity came down to where we are. And, of course, mm-hmm. we have the karma to be with them. But what they have done is they have tricked us, and they've been you know, doing this for a very, very long time, and they trick us into making karma with them. Yeah. And when we make karma with them, they get control over us. And it is time to be cut free from our ties to the fallen angels once and for all. Amen. They have manipulated us. They have fooled us. They have lied to us. They've given us the false doctrines. They put their sins upon us. They've stolen our light. They've mm-hmm. kept, it, kept us from God. And it is time, this is the hour, to be cut free from the karma with these fallen angels and their manipulation. And it's our opportunity. We have the truth and the tools, the science of the spoken word, mm-hmm. and it's our time to do this. Amen. I'll say. Well, I mean, that's and just on time. That's all we've got for the moment. We've got a lot more to explore. Don't go away. You know, and if you've got any questions or comments about the spiritual journey, please send them to webradio at tsl.org. We'll be right back. for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. 
Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back. And so before the break, we talked about uh, Jesus' embodiments. Can we, can we go back to that topic? I think that's going to be very interesting for everybody. It, it is. And um, if you understand the evolution of a soul, the example of Jesus is one that we can see. And, and before I get into a specific embodiments, I wanted to mention that souls can kind of progress and regress. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. we at one time in one of our lifetimes, I think on Atlantis or Lemuria, may have been much more spiritually advanced than we are today. So you can lose as much as gain. So that's just a story of evolution of soul. And so souls have different missions and different things to learn in different embodiments. So it's not just necessarily a linear re- progression mm-hmm. as you're on the path. It would be nice if it was that way, but well, that it, would not, be good. it always <laughs> is. But, but, you know, we've come, we've been higher than we have today, than we are today, and we can return there. But anyway, getting back to Jesus' embodiments, we know that he was embodied on Atlantis, that he was a ruler of Atlantis when they had a golden age. And unfortunately... Uh, at that time is when some seed of dissent began and people began to choose ways other than God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was forced to retreat with a, a certain number of disciples to the area around India now in the Himalayas, um, and that was prior to the sinking of Atlantis. So we know he was in, in that embodiment. We know that he was embodied as Abel, uh, the son of Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately the first murder victim, as the, as the Bible records. Wow. He was embodied as Joshua. In the uh, in the Old Testament, you know the warrior Joshua that was oh, sure. with Moses, and I think Jericho, exactly. That's right. Prior to, he was invited to Joseph. Um, you know the, the multicolored dream coat, as they say oh, these days. Right. Yeah. And what is so interesting about that? His brothers in that embodiment were the ones that came back to the twelve disciples. Wow! So you can see the karmic ties there, and the mercy of God that they had sold him into slavery, and God gave them the opportunity to come back as his disciples. Mm -hmm. So you see how we're all interwoven through many, many embodiments. We have probably been in family relationships with the soul of Jesus, or very close Mm -hmm. at one time or another. And then, of course, the big lifetime as he's embodied as the David. And when you think about that, what an amazing story that is. David made a lot of mistakes, which proves that the ascended masters made a lot of mistakes before they won their ascension. But he had great light and great power, and of course, he came back to fulfill the prophecy of David, which you know, is an it, more amazing thing. That's right. actually rather comforting, you know, to think that these great ascended beings at one time or other were going down the same paths we are, under undertaking the same challenges, having the same tests. Exactly. Uh, and, and even though they had great attainment, they could make mistakes because they had karma, too. Yeah. 
so to speak, they put on their Ascended Master light bodies one a pant leg at a time like, <laughs> yes. like we will someday, right? Yes, yeah. it is very comforting. Well, you know, there's also the concept of, you know, the, 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 the fallen angels, the reincarnation, uh, you know, the fallen ones. It's interesting that for, some, for a group that's so rebellious uh, and has so much power that they are still subject to the laws of reincarnation and of karma. And so... <laughs> it, We don't really want to interact with them. We want to balance the best way that we can balance our karma with these folks. Well, I think the first thing we do is stop giving, stop giving them power over us. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that we run around accusing people around here around us of being <laughs> fallen angels. Uh, that's why we have the law and so forth. We'll let God adjudicate that. Right. But we have to challenge the lie and the liar And when we know things are true. And that's what I think. And teaching the Senate gives so much the history and what we need to do to win our victory and also to preserve this planet as a as a stage of evolution there are still new souls of light that are coming and they've got to have this we got to keep this planet so that they have a place to come and to learn and to grow and so it's you know we're coming you know people talk about armageddon we're at the end of a major very major cycle here it is a crucial time in earth's history and in our personal history and i want to also say you know we don't know what it's going to be like 100 or 200 or 300 years from now and if you have to re-embody there may not be this opportunity again um we hope there will be but you never know so you got to sort of strike while the iron is hot you got to work while there is light and this is the time because the culture the truth and the opportunity Mm -hmm. allows us to do this to pursue these truths again without being burned at the stake so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, hopefully not in this lifetime. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, uh, kind of off that, um, the central vein of the subject, but still kind of on the process part, because of the fact that we have the violet flame and because we have this dispensation in this age to use the violet flame, it, it behooves us to really pay attention to the fact that we can shorten the time that we spend here, the remaining time, so that we don't end up running the risk of, Going back down. Well, exactly. And, of course, one of the Hindu beliefs is that they've been around so long, they have so much karma, what's the rush? Yeah. You know, if I took me a million years to make this karma, I'll take another million to balance it. <laughs> and, of course, we know that's not how it should be looked at. The violet flame is a gift of God. It's a mercy of God. It allows us to repolarize energy that we have negatively qualified without necessarily experiencing the full impact of that. And, mm-hmm. and let me just give you another example of this. In sense, we have great medical advances today. Mm-hmm. And so we may have a certain karma that produced a disease in us that in the past would have caused right. our death. But because of medical advances, we don't have to die. That's a grace and a mercy. Mm-hmm. The violet flame in a spiritual sense does the same thing. God is saying, look, your heart's in the right place, but you've kind of made a mess of things. This is the tool you can use to accelerate your karma balancing. You still have to learn what you have to learn. You still have to become love. You still have to do all the other things that the ascension requires. But this is a way you can do it in, in one embodiment. Or if you're older and you're just starting, in your next embodiment. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we have to accept it. We have to use it to get its benefit. It's like mm-hmm. a medicine. If you don't take medicine... It's not going to help you. And so if you don't use the violet flame, it's not there. But it can change your world. It can clear the the Mm -hmm. fog around you and give you clarity and opportunity to move forward and make the progress that, you know, is not that easy to make in some ways. You know, there's an interesting thing when we talk about karma and reincarnation and the concept of of when do you start and how long do you have. I noticed years ago and also in in, in the community of people that believe in the violet flame and practice the violet flame that a lot of people look upon the time of their retirement 
from the work life mm -hmm. as being oftentimes the start of almost their full-time work of transmuting the rest of their karma, hopefully, for that lifetime. And it was such an interesting concept to me to look at that and go, wow, if I stop my work life, now I can really concentrate on my spiritual life, not fall over in a heap, yeah. you know, and wait for, you but, know. But don't postpone long. your spiritual yeah. life. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. Seek ye first. That's what Jesus told us. And yeah. so we can fulfill the requirements of our karma, our personal responsibilities, mm -hmm. and still use the violet flame, still move forward spiritually. Uh, it's, these teachings are very practical. Where you're at, you can use them. Yeah, excellent. You know, um, Elizabeth Prophet alluded to this in the segment, the recorded segment earlier, and that was that for some people in their minds, they're thinking, well, you know, I've got so much of that karma built up. I'll just kind of take care of it in my next lifetime, you know, sort of postponing the inevitable. And like you were just saying, that's a big mistake. Well, it's a huge mistake because, candidly, many of us have been doing that for a very, very long time. Yeah. And, you know, God gives opportunity, but there is not unlimited opportunity. At some point, we have to choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. The fallen angels have had opportunity, but that comes to an end. And for many of them, this is the time that it's going to happen if they yeah. don't turn to serve God. So we can't meander forever throughout cosmos. At a certain point, we have to decide, are we going to become God, become all that is intended for us? Otherwise, there's no point in living. There's yeah. no point in existing. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Mrs. Prophet also mentioned that one of the most important aspects of reincarnation is how exact incredibly exact the law can be in terms of balancing our own karma if we committed a certain negative act in our previous lives you know that same act might be committed against us in this or a subsequent lifetime and that's so that we can experience the soul's reaction to that event can you help us a little bit with well that one? think of um karma as an impersonal law in other mm -hmm. words it's not god getting even with you for your big mistakes you know <laughs> it's like the law of gravity what might you seem know, like it <laughs> or, or newton's third law you know what you send out comes back so it's right. an impersonal law and what we are trying to do spiritually is get is interject something else in that impersonal law because it will come back to us the mercy of god and the mercy of Jesus, who bore our sins for the past 2,000 years, was that we had an opportunity to build up some light and some momentum so that when this karma came back to us, we could be ready for it. And, and so um, it, it's a, the karma is exacting. It's perfect. And I think if we knew the intricacies of karma, we would be astonished. You know, when there's a plane accident, why do some live and some die? Mm -hmm. You know, why do they sit in one seat and not another? It's all karma. But you can change your karma and affect it by the use of the spoken word and the violet flame. So it can mitigate karma. And if you can learn your lessons by or balance your karma by helping others, you don't always have to have that negative thing come back on you in a physical sense. Mm -hmm. Now, this may seem to be splitting hairs just a bit, but if I think negative thoughts about another, will I receive similar negative thoughts in return? Well, <laughs> you know, we're human beings. We yeah. live in an imperfect world. We do the best we can. So don't get worried about, you know, that you do everything perfect because you're not going to do everything perfect. Right. But get the set of True. your sail, get the determination every day. I'm going to become more of God this day by his grace. I'm going to serve in love. I'm going to serve in humility. I'm going to give up my pride, my arrogance, all these things because I want to become God. I want to become who we But if you make a mistake and, and, you know, do the best you can, don't get under a weight of self-condemnation. What the fallen angels do is they remind you of every single mistake you have ever made in this and previous embodiments. <laughs> so you feel, what's the use? You feel this tremendous guilt and sin. Let's take accountability for our actions. Let's recognize it when we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then ask for forgiveness. Ask for the opportunity to balance the karma and move on. Yeah. 
Well, here we are once again. One more time. Run out of time. (laughs) You know, I want to thank you, Sydney, as always, for your wisdom and insight. Um, And also to all of you listening here for tuning in. Um, I'd like you to join us again next week. We're going to have a a different kind of a show. Uh, It's The Will of God is Good. Oh, boy. Another light subject, huh? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, another light subject indeed. And this is basically to ask the question, how do we know what God's will is? Well, I trust we'll have some answers. Well, good ones. I trust (laughs) you. You know, uh, as you know, I think I just got a prompting that it's God's will that we give our listeners a free book. How about the story of your soul? Uh, the very one. Please tell us how to do that, Ross. So if you go in your browser to tsl.org forward slash story soul, that's tsl.org forward slash story soul, hmm. you can get the download of the ebook. I do sign up for TSL now. We'll send you the ebook and then you can enjoy that at your leisure. Couldn't be easier, right? Yep. So that's it. Uh, you know, in the meantime, remember that though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are literally out of this world. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.